Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Frank Konechki, the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC Chapter's Internet of Things Conference in Washington, DC. IoT is one of those topics that I remember when it first started to come to become popular, maybe 2010, 2011 timeframe when we started talking about it, this, this term IoT. I always hated the term IoT. What is Internet of Things? What does that mean? But now we are 2018, I guess, and, and I've accepted it. I've come to terms with the term IoT. So let's just start with the Air Force and a little bit of how you guys have come to terms with what IoT is for you, the Air Force. Because we have OT and IT, which confuses everybody. But OT is more like the, the physical plants and everything else, and IT is the, the internet-connected plants and things. Now, the problem with is that in the Air Force, we have multiple things that are both IT and OT, like a plane, like a truck, like a fuel truck, like almost everything is both connected both ways. And so when we describe IoT, it gets confusing because the OT guys say, well, that's not, that's not we concerned about. And I'm like, you don't think there's any IT in the plane? So we go back and forth with this all the time. Now, what we've been trying to do is for the IoT or the IT side per se is like Maxwell. Maxwell is one of our bases that we've actually made it in a smart base. We had a pilot, and we're going to extend the pilot now to, uh, to more in-depth analysis of what, what sensors we want to put out there. And that's been pretty much, you know, success as far as we're concerned as to, you know, things that are getting done. And the issue becomes then, you know, what is the next step? And you want me to get to that or you want to? <laughs> well, that was my next question, so go ahead, take it. <laughs> What is the next right. step? The next, the next step is to try to fuse all this IoT together. Now, the, the problem we have is that if you know the Air Force, we're pretty old. We have lots of things. We have chemical plants. We have, oh, you know, surprise, we have chemical plants. B-52 <laughs> bombers that's still from World War II. So we, we have all <laughs> sorts of old IoT devices out there. You'd be surprised how many d dumb sensors we have out there. And the question we always have is that, first of all, how are we going to fuse all these sensors together into some coherent strategy that we could actually look at? because there is multiple protocols out there for all the IT devices, all the sensors that we have right now. Second of all, the concern is that we don't know if it's an authentication, authenticated device or not, authenticated sensor. Some of these are dumb. They're really dumb sensors. So we first come back and say, well, how do I know that this is my sensor? This is the information I'm getting is from this device. And so we're trying to figure out other authentication methods of doing this. In fact, one of the things from uh, uh, AFRL was basically they've, and you can Google this if you like, Red Balloon Security, which is kind of an interesting but dumb name. What they've done is that they, uh, and it's a company now, AFRL pushed that as a real company. <laughs> they take dumb IoT sensors, they manipulate the firmware in such a way that they rebuild the firmware and add a intelligence to that firmware to do a pulse back to whoever it is to authenticate. It's kind of interesting. It's, it's something that, you know, we didn't think was possible, but they showed me in front of my eyes in my office, so I was surprised. But, yes, so we're progressing down that path pretty much as to, you know, trying to authenticate it, trying to push together various ways of looking at all the sensors we have. And we're, we have multiple sensors. Now, most of them aren't being used per se. I mean, some of the airplane engine sensors are obviously being used to do maintenance and activities like that. But when we get to tire pressure on the trucks, fuel tanks, and fuel gauges, and everything else, we're not actually doing any of that yet. We plan to start doing it pretty quickly, but we have to figure out a way of fusing all the information together so it makes sense. When you talk about all these dumb sensors you have, do you know how many you have? And then is, was that the first step to, to know what you have and then you can kind of say, okay, what's the higher priority and where are you starting? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so we have to figure out exactly what we have. 
And uh, especially the dumb senses, because a lot of it's chemical plants and other things that are associated with it. I mean, besides the SCADA. The SCADA is SCADA. It's been around for a while. Chemical plants have been around for a while. Water, water processing facilities and everything else. Because you have to remember, the Air Force is a big city. It's multiple cities across the globe. I mean, we have 200 and some locations already. 126 of those are main locations with lots of people associated with it. So we have to and look at it from a viewpoint of what is the attack vector for all the IoT that we have within the Air Force, not just at a particular base. Because every base is, of course, different, <laughs> which complicates the issue. But also we have to look at it from, let's look at the cybersecurity across all of this and figure out what's actually happening. He brings up security. We're going to get there, of course. got to talk when you talk IoT, you talk security. But before we do that, Talk a little bit about Maxwell. Just let's go one step deeper into Maxwell Air Force Base and, and what's the six, nine-month plan? What's your short term? Here's what we're going to test out and then... Well, I'll tell you what they tested out because I'm not sure what, the, okay. what they actually... They're trying to decide what now what they want to push out. They were testing out uh, motion sensors as well as cameras as well as some badge readers and things. They were looking at what sensors they could see, what junk they see on the runways. You'd be, you'd be surprised. If you hear about this occasionally, you'll find that if the runway is not cleared when you take off, you suck all that stuff into your engine and the engine blows up. So okay, That's bad. That's bad. Okay. And so what you, what you do is you have a sensor out there. We used to have airmen walking out there, basically, the runway before everything took off so that they could make sure there wasn't anything out there. Now they're trying to put sensors out there to actually do the same thing. So they can detect various things on the runway yet. And besides the, the pigeons, the gulls, and everything else, things that are not movable or whatever, that's hard. So they're... So they're trying to do more of that. They're trying to do more of the, uh, I guess, HVAC within the buildings now, too. That's the smart building smart side. Smart building issue. Right. They did a little bit of it, but I think they're going to go pretty much farther with that now as to what that actually means. And the smart building side, that's another area that the Air Force is spending a lot of time on. You see the Smart Cities Initiative. Talk a little bit about what the Air Force has seen and finding around in terms of running the, the, the buildings, the HVAC, the lights, the, all, all those well, we've been trying to put a, We've been trying to put sensors out there for a while now. For, for most of the buildings and for the equipment. Obviously, we have to put sensors out for the, uh, the data centers, and that's taking a while because we don't really have pure, a lot of pure data centers. We have uh, equipment like all over the place, like most people do. So as we progress, though, we've been, for the last four or five years, we put sensors out in the bases now to do uh, a, a good idea of where the HVAC, the electricity is actually going. That's going to be one of the issues that we're going to have later is that who's sucking the electricity on the base? And when we have tenants on the base, it's more important to, to build the tenants on the base now. <laughs> than everything else, but we're trying to get to that point. How much of this from Maxwell is being used for other Air Force bases or will be used? I mean, what's the longer-term plan? The long-term is to use Maxwell as the example as to how to go forward, and then we have to look at other bases that, that we want to put AI2 devices on and see what they are. Again, every base is a little bit different. Maxwell is not a, I mean, it's an education area more than anything else. So it was an easy fit to put the IoT devices there and to test things out. It's when you get to a real-life combat area you know, one of the big ones, it's going to be some serious issues as to what you really want to put out there. And then again, it becomes more serious as to what information that you believe is occurring. And, uh, and it can get in. So one of my favorite topics is, is talking about tire pressure on tanker trucks. One of, the, one of the issues that we have is that when we start talking about mission threads, that's the way we're going to start defending by, based on mission threads now. So it's not network per se, it's mission threads. Where mission thread consists of, of equipment, servers, physical items, the plane the pilot, any other paper movement or electronic movement between it, as well as the tanker truck and everything else that fuels the, fuels the particular aircraft for the mission. So we're looking at the entire mission thread now. The, the idea is to start grabbing data from that mission thread to evaluate the risk factor for that mission thread. 
And one of those risk factors is gonna be based upon IoT device, IoT sensors coming off of all those devices. And that means not only the servers, but also the tanker trucks, the, the airplane, the, uh, the runway, everything else to associate this with a complete mission threat. And one of my favorite things is, okay, if we're depending upon a tanker, what is the easiest way to take a mission at? It's easy, you, you tell the tanker truck that it has a flat tire. They'll stop the mission for cold. Tanker truck can't move, can't get the fuel to the plane, one plane will not go. Or you'll have to move another tanker truck all over the place. So the question is, how do you determine that that's a good sensor, first of all? And it's difficult for tire, that's for sure. Because you all have tire, you know, and they go out and you're not sure what's, what's going on and they blink back in and you're like, I, I wonder if I have a flat tire or not. And the heat goes up and the, your tire pressure goes crazy. So we have the same issues. So how do you determine that that's a good sensor and you can depend upon it? And then it becomes, do we do a correlation? Do we do a past historical trend analysis of the tires, of the heat, of the weather to say, yeah, this is really good. It's, going, it's been going down for a while now. We know it's been going down. I guess it's really a flat tire. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other side of that is not just the, the mission side, but then the idea of do we have all the data we need to have? Are the sensors providing us the, the, the weather, the, the traffic, if you will? Yes. The, the idea that can we go do what we need to do on the mission side? I mean, are you also looking at the, the IoT side of, of the, the, the end of the spear? Yes, you have to. You have to look at both sides. When the mission goes off and everything else, I mean, we've always talked about, you know, uh, looking at, well, we have a lot of sensor data coming in, obviously, from the drones and everything else that we do. And so the question is, when do you want to, where do you, where do you want to process the sensor data and do you trust it? A lot of times we want to process it on the plane. Okay, small-scale processing units are now available. It's a matter of actually putting them on the plane with low voltage. Remember, this plane is not a real you know, loaded 220 volt, it probably is 220, but it's all being used for everything else by now. <laughs> and so you gotta figure out how to actually fit it into the, the mainframe that you have, and then figure out exactly what processing you can do. Now we're getting to the point now where we're looking at some interesting things that are small processing units that we may start pushing out there. But again, that takes a while to actually get it into production to push it out to, to a real airplane or a drone. We have to take a break. My guest today is Frank Konechki, the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC Chapters Internet of Things conference in Washington. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Frank Konechki, the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC Chapters Internet of Things conference in Washington, DC. Welcome. Tell them who you are. I'm John Sly with, uh, with Deltec. Thank you for being here. So if the easiest way maybe to uh, throw the mission off is to spoof the sensor, um, can you tell us about whether this kind of information, this mindset is making its way up the chain as far as mission planning and intelligence and counterintelligence? Well, that's why we went into the risk analysis for mission threat. What's happening is the Air Force is evolving into mission defense teams right now. Mission defense teams are in charge of ensuring the security of the mission threat and understanding the risks associated with that mission threat. So at every Air Force base, you'll eventually have one or multiple mission defense teams established to actually do that particular uh, cyber operations issues and look at issues involving you know, anything within the threat whatsoever and resolve those. In fact, I just did an interview with General Higby, 
I don't know if you know General Higby. Yeah, I know. Probably. <laughs> and he was just talking about the Defensive Cyber Mission Forces uh, hitting, I guess, I don't know if it's IoT is the right word, but, but not IoT, but initial IOC. It's a fascinating thing they're doing is looking at not just, hey, this network or this system or this data, but they start looking at weapon systems and they're really breaking down by the mission area. And that was actually is a perfect segue to the discussion on security. Uh, IoT and security, we could talk all day about it. But give me a sense, IoT devices are as big a concern as any device. What's the Air Force doing to kind of start to mitigate those risks? Again, it's looking at the defense posture and where you, what are you getting out of the devices right now? And what, what is your dependency? Again, as, as what the MDTs were doing is basically laying out the entire threat and, and looking at everything, from the servers to the SCADA to everything else, looking at if you take out one piece of this particular equation, what, what effects does it have across the entire mission? So the issue basically is to look at this in terms of holistic now. And mitigation strategies are coming for each of those because when you look at the thread, look at the complete link, you can say, if I hit this, it takes out all of this. And so you first want to mitigate the one who has the most, cover, most devastation of, of the equipment and everything else. And there are some within the thread, you, like, of course, you know, HVAC is a, always a, electrical is always a big issue at some point in time. However, that's an easy mitigation because you can have generators on hand ready to, to put that away. So that's one of the mitigation strategies, obviously. But when we get out to the, to the actual field and everything else, there's other mitigation strategies you have to put into place as well to see what's going on based on the threat. Do you get a sense that, uh, and I think this is maybe the obvious question, but the threat's only getting more challenging, more difficult. So mm -hmm. how do you keep up with the threat? What's the Air Force doing to get ahead of the threat? I mean, you can't just say no IoT devices, and you can't <laughs> just say we'll let everything on either. So where's the happy medium? Yeah, happy medium, well, first, the first thing is to figure out how you authenticate some of those devices and know that they're true. And then it's a question of you know, trend analysis and some other stuff, but we are looking at various ways of consolidating various uh, IoT devices into a, into a broker, if you will, and have the broker have some intelligence in it to understand what's going on and to give us better readings as to the authentication of those particular devices or the trend that they appear to be telling us. Traditional IT security. My my friend Dan Terracini's back here. He'll tell. We'll talk about ID management. With that, with that traditional type of, of roles, responsibilities, authentication. Does that work for IoT or, or not? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> All right. You want to ask him a question? My name's Rob uh, from. I'm with the Navy. What you just mentioned very interesting. The broker concept. So my question kind of goes more to the base of that. Do you see? compatibility or lack thereof for all the different kinds of sensors that are out there so they actually are able to share that data or is there a lot of proprietary and oh, uh, there's, stuff there's tons that? of proprietary protocols and everything else some of the sensors do not try fire at the same rate and speed that's why we're talking about doing to a broker that can understand some of this as well as to decode all the all of the protocols that are out there because I mean we started looking at this and we said okay you just can't I mean, the new, new ones are much better. They have some intelligence. <laughs> the old ones, however, have no intelligence whatsoever. And so you've got to figure out how you can either embed intelligence in them, like I talked about changing the firmware, or you have to figure out another way of accepting all this at some rate of speed and whatever. And remember, all these sensors come back with different types of information. And so you have to either nor normalize that information to some way and correlate it, or else you're not going to do it. And so all of a sudden, it takes a processing system to actually do this now. And let me just do a quick follow-up because we have another question back here. Is when the, the, the broker idea, you heard of cloud brokers, you heard of insurance brokers, you heard of the broker of brokers. Is, is this the same idea that one would be almost one, one organization, one company, one 
One, one device, theoretically. One I mean, device. Because they, they, they call them gateways, if you like. I mean, that's, that's probably a better terminology than broker, but yeah. actually the, you have to have some intelligence in this, so it's take your choice, broker or gateway. You had a question, sir. Tell me who you are. Uh, Mike Haftel from uh, Department of State. Question, uh, you're collecting uh, uh, quite a bit of data, and uh, you're, you're gonna have to do something to analyze it. Uh, you know, like you say, you're, you're doing a trend analysis, probably a linear, linear regression and, or nonlinear regression. Uh, so, uh, do you write your own code, or do you use uh, off-the-shelf stuff like uh, Splunk? I mean, we, we, we don't usually write our own code. We don't have enough airmen to write code, even though they all would like to write code. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. I have, I, have a, I have a deputy who wants to write code, and it's like, you can't, if you're at SAF, you're not going to write code at SAF, you know, <laughs> the Air Force level. Okay, yeah, what, what happens is that uh, we, we use various vendors to actually come across with different ways of doing things. I mean, we have, uh, we're, we're looking at, you know, uh, more sophisticated machine intelligence with neural networks and everything else as well now as to what we want to do with things and how to actually better uh, plot out what's really happening, determine the trend analysis. And, and as we get down farther, as, as machine learning and neural nets progress a little bit farther as to what we're going to do, we'll have to look at can there be a way of, you know, actually the neural net telling us something is really, really wrong ahead of time or it's really on, on the mark. Now, Frank, since we have some vendors in the room, maybe, I'm just guessing, what's your best advice around this kind of like, you're always looking for the best tools, Call but me first. <laughs> call what? Call me. Call me. <laughs> that, that's the first step. I, I handle all, all vendor relationships with the, with the Air Force CAO, just right. to let you know. But the best thing to do is to look at the, the landscape of what we have. And you have to understand, this is not like one sensor out there, you can't just slap a Raspberry Pi onto it and say it's going to work <laughs> and make that intelligent, even though they were in discussion yesterday. That was the, oh, let's put a Raspberry Pi in it. It'll work just fine. I was like, okay, I'd like to see that. <laughs> but uh, it's issues like that. It's to look at, you know, the, the depth of where we're trying to go with this. Now, again, we have lots of sensors that we're not utilizing yet in a, in a certain way that we'll eventually start progressing down the path as soon as we get to uh, more sophistication with the, the mission defense teams, whatever, and how they're doing, you know, cyber awareness and strategy and things. We're going to see us progress down that path faster. And so under, understand that, that when we look at things, we look at it from a risk analysis to the mission. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, if a sensor goes out, it may not affect the mission. We don't really care unless it's an attack. But then if there's a correlation between that sensor and other sensors that may tell us that it's an attack, if not an attack. And that's what you have to look at. You look at it from the broad spectrum of mission effectiveness and assurity. Uh, there's other questions, so but I can yeah. ask you a follow-up. Go ahead, Dan. Dan Terrasini, uh, Spirus Incorporated. Thank you for the plug, Jason. I watch your, listen to your show every morning. There you go. <laughs> you can pay me later. Uh, two questions, uh, Frank, and thank you very much for showing up. This is a great uh, discussion. First, I, I love your discussion about the, the trucks and the tires. And uh, I can't help but going back to my uh, ship's engineering days. Uh, are you looking at a cost benefit or looking across, you know, IoT and sensors for IoT, although I'd love to sell you sensors and, and, and security for sensors, uh, is another system, another object, another thing to maintain, another thing to fix, et cetera. Uh, there are no flat tires, no go flat tires and, and additional tires you can put on trucks and stuff like that. Are you looking at a cost-benefit analysis of a mechanical versus a IT uh, solution? And then my other question is, how are you pushing out your requirements? Are you 
defining what you need from an IoT perspective, uh, identifying your sensors and saying what you'd like to see as far as security and as far as uh, uh, response and authentication, or you're really just looking out uh, and looking for the best of breed in different vendors? It's not so much a cost-benefit analysis, it's a mission and effectiveness analysis. <laughs> because as we look at mission effectiveness, it's more important than cost. So, so you gotta think of it that way. Right now, we're, we're trying to get our MDTs in place to cross the Air Force. That's the first step. Got to get the personnel in place, understanding what tool sets they have, and then they're going to enlarge. So we're basically looking at out there right now and saying, okay, uh, where can we actually put a gateway? Where can we actually start testing out the multitude of sensors that we have? And that'll be uh, a pilot or a research or, or some other project to start looking at it and looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, can I do trend analysis and things? And what processing capabilities? I mean, I was just on the West Coast all last week looking at uh, Silicon Valley vendors, innovation firms, and asking them the same questions. You know, what do you have? Have you talked about this yet? Does anybody understand what's really happening in the IoT frame? And there's some yes and some no, but again, it's, it's uh, everybody's trying to get into there right now. But a lot of them don't understand what they're getting into. I mean, we were at a conference yesterday that basically was trying to say, well, you know, there's there's going to be 20, 24 billion sensors up by 2020. You know, why don't you get in the market and start generating sensors? And so we're sitting there going, really? You know, <laughs> it's all I need is more sensors out there that are different protocols and everything else that we have to contend with. But that, that was that part of the conference. It was, you know, it was a push out for uh, people to actually do this work. So it's a, right now we're, we're, we're basically researching. I mean, that's the best we can do right now until we figure out at a particular base we'll probably look at some of the weird, we're trying to find two bases, one simple <laughs> and one that has really old sensors on it, and then look at that and see what we can do with it. And then the, the other question that I think Dan asked was about return on investment, I mean cost-benefit analysis. Mission effectiveness. Mission effectiveness. That's, that's the return, is, is, it, is will it actually support the mission better than anything we have right now? We have to take a break. My guest today is Frank Konechki, the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC Chapters Internet of Things conference in Washington. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Frank Konechki, the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC Chapters Internet of Things conference in Washington, DC. Uh, David Mordecai, Numerati Partners in NYU Courant. Sort of three layers that keep kind of bugging me about uh, the current framework uh, for IoT in particular. And it's there's the hardware vulnerabilities related to the supply chain. There are the open source vulnerabilities related to software. And then there's the current practice in the private sector of push and patch, push and patch, push and patch, agile development, get it out as quickly as possible. So my, my question is sort of two parts. Maybe if you could comment a little bit on how the government, particularly the defense industry and Intel, need to do choose a different approach with that. And then secondly, is there a role, say, private sector like insurance can play in helping coordinate and enforce the right governance around cybersecurity and reliability at those three layers? You guys all know supply chain is an issue. I mean, it's been an issue for a while. It's, because it's still an issue. And it's an issue in not only the hardware side, but also the software side as well. So if you look at, we, we are consciously looking at ways of mitigating supply chain. Now, 
a lot of this is, you know, if you go to the vendors, they'll tell you we're, we're setting up secure foundries and we're ensuring that, you know, those chips are right. Okay, that's one piece of it. It's everything else, all the other parts they, that they get to together. You know, some, some vendors are now tracking each part separately. Eventually, they're going to do a bit chain on those parts and things, but they're going to bit chain on paper linked to the, the IDs in each of the parts. So after talking with a lot of the vendors, they are pushing a lot of this already out there, but it is, that's for the major vendors, though. So what you get is the minor vendors and where they assemble information and things. I mean, we've, we, have, we have some issues where assembly is actually occurring now, as opposed to the parts themselves. <laughs> it's because you don't know what's happening during the assembly process and how the part may have been uh, changed or whatever during the assembly process. So if you look at the supply chain, it, it is, it is we, are, we are trying to figure this out in a certain way that uh, procurement-wise, you know, you may see more direction that says, here's all the stuff we want to see based upon this, the supply chain that you're delivering to us right now. Now, what's the other part? The other parts are on private sector insurance. Insurance would be interesting. However, uh, the government is, is self-insured, yes. <laughs> so uh, we absorb our liability. <laughs> to pr probably get more from the, the, the vendor side. So yes. the vendors would provide better products or better. I mean, the only thing we can do is not buy it. You know, that's that's, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the ultimate. So if we find something wrong in the supply chain, we'll just won't, we can't buy it anymore. <laughs> now, if, all right, another question right here. Please tell me who you are. Bob Biskin. So I've been reading a lot about Project Maven. Yes. And uh, which appears to be a blend of uh, IAT and artificial intelligence. So is, it, is this an exciting project you, we need to know it's about? A, yes, I know about it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's exciting in the sense that we're actually using neural nets for some things now and determining what the neural nets are actually going to use. We, we actually are using neural nets for several other projects as well. However, they're somewhat related to Maven, but not really, because we've gone through other... Uh, AFRL works a lot with uh, AI-based activities and things that we can't get into. But uh, it's, as we progress farther down the path, we will be looking at more utilization of AI capabilities with all, all the stuff, all the now, places. Let me just jump in. Does everyone know Project Maven? Are you familiar with it? Give me a raise of hands if you're not. All right, so a lot of you. Okay, so you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it is an Air Force project working through the, the research lab part yeah. with Google looking at using AI to look at drone video and give me, give me the rest of it. Answer is they're using a neural net basically to identify the individual objects within the view. Basically uh, trying to take all that drone data that comes in and, and, and being smarter about it. Um, if you do a quick search on the Google, you'll find much more information than I'm able to give you. But it's, uh, it's a fascinating project, um, and it's, it's really, uh, I would say, cutting edge for the Air Force. It's cutting edge for the DOD in, in many regards. And as you said, it's, it's technology. sounds like you guys are using it in other places too. Yep. All right, so let's talk standards, because everyone loves to talk standards, Frank. I don't like talk standards. <laughs> we can talk standards all day. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that uh, DOD had put out, a, uh, the CIO's office put out a, a set of, if you will, policy recommendations in 2016 around IoT. And, uh, and they, they came up with a bunch of suggestions and, and you know, changes to the DOD 5000 series, changes to the DOD 8500 series, uh, DFARS contract clauses, this is very exciting. But the two things that I think you, you had, had highlighted for me was 
the IoT overlay for NIST guidance and the JIE technical guidance and reference architectures. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to bore people to death, but let's just talk a little bit about the, the standards piece in IoT because it, it seems like that's what you came back to so many times during this conversation right. so Let, far. Let's go, to, let's go back to the RMF one. That's, that's more interesting. Which one? RMF. RMF, okay. risk, risk management framework. Risk management framework. As you know, the NIST controls based, when we, when we actually field something, we have to do an RMF analysis of it. Well, if you look at the mission thread, guess what? There's multiple RMFs in there. Now we're looking at it from a viewpoint of, okay, these IoT sensors are part of the mission thread now, and therefore they have an RMF component to them. And so there's security on, the RM, on, the, on those IoT components as well that has to be satisfied before they actually get an authority to operate. So if you look at it from that viewpoint, then all of a sudden now we're more concerned about uh, looking at a complete system now, which you're supposed to be looking at, determining, you know, it doesn't meet the RMF standards across the board for all the security vulnerabilities that it's supposed to think. And that's where we get to the risk analysis again. It's a risk analysis of, of the mission thread and all of its components in that mission thread, including the IoT pieces now. So I'm going to go to our, the iPad for a question. Not that I've run out, but <laughs> I can go all day. But one question says, technology platforms are using the Air Force to aggregate your sensor data and perform your analytics. Which platforms? Yeah, I guess. Mention brand names. <laughs> so, so is powerful it, processors. <laughs> say again. Powerful processors, based looking like the, they would support neural nets and things accordingly. So, so I guess I guess the, the, the let's put a finer point on the question since we don't want to talk brand names. Um, are most things in the cloud? Are most things sitting in in, in Air Force data centers? Or is where does where do the, the, how do you have the power to compute the storage? Most of the work that's been done so far is basically uh, very small processing units that are very powerful. Basically because what you want to do is do this at, there's two places for this. You can do it on the airplane, on the drone itself, which is the small ones, or you can bring it back into a cloud environment where you can do some of the other analysis. That's the global issue is basically how, where you want to put stuff. And we do it in both places. We do it both in the cloud and on the airplane itself depending on what you want to do. And that data from the airplane, though, goes back to the cloud somewhere, right? It goes back to a data center. Or a... And a cloud version of that data yeah. center, yes. And, and then what about a place like Maxwell Air Force Base? As they're looking at their HVAC, as they're looking at their, their security sensors, as they're looking at the runway sensors, does that data all go to a, if you will, a it's, platform, a single pane of glass? It's supposed to go to a single pane of glass. Uh, initially, it went to uh, the vendor that put the system together because to it's a pilot. But eventually, it's going to be a single pane of glass that's sitting at the base itself. And and the thought is each base, or or, or and then that will get will have one, and then it gets tied up to installations and yes. Other questions? See, so you met me halfway. Tell me who you are. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm with SAP. Um, you, we look at gateways, risk analysis, mission effectiveness, the threat, and acquisition lead times. So, how soon does the Air Force field capability that you're describing to protect assets and, and know the what the common operating picture It's going to take a while. Like. The government, remember that. Yeah. Uh, now, now, don't be negative. It just takes a while. <laughs> it doesn't have to. Um, <laughs> Try and <yeah>. hear, folks. <laughs> yeah, fix that 5000 series for me. Well, that, <laughs> that'd be very helpful. They have the OTAs. It fixes everything, right? That's right. Well, procurement's next, guys. Sorry. <laughs> The, the issue is going to be, uh, I mean, we're trying to work on determining what pilots you want to do right now. I mean, uh, it'll be, there'll be small pilots where, as we do this. Uh, it may be through DIUX, maybe not, maybe through AFRL's OTA. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to do it initially. 
and we're and we work with AFRL a lot. I mean, you just don't realize that I talk to AFRL every, every other week because they are doing stuff for us anyways. <laughs> and it's just a question of putting it into a more formal program. They do analysis for us on, on the side based, when we tell them we want to, you to evaluate these, these vendor tools, they will do that for us anyways. And there's no pilot or anything associated with it. It's, it's a sunk cost within AFRL for us, for us, for a limited number, then we have to provide them money. But that, that's how we play a lot of this, is basically here's, here's something that looks like, like gateway. <laughs> We want you to try this out and tell us that. And then we'll move it to the next phase, would be like move it to a particular base and then try it at the base itself, which may, may involve an OTA, but it may not be. It, it depends on how we want to handle this. I mean, as, actually, as we progress outwards, you'll probably see an RFI and some other information associated with it. And when you see the RFI, you know that they were, we've really have tested it out enough that we believe it's something that's going to be effective out there. And then we want to get more information from industry. And that's when we start working on it, really. We have to take a break. My guest today is Frank Konechki the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC Chapters Internet of Things Conference in Washington. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Frank Konechki, the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC Chapters Internet of Things Conference in Washington, DC. How do you separate normal work right so so like like you one of the things you said in our the five minutes we got together before the panel was uh you, we can always talk jie right joint information environment so that's quote unquote normal it but then iot is 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 maybe a little different not not abnormal but but that all kind of flows together there's no separation between if you will regular it desktop servers compute storage you know tools and then iot they all are, are com coming together so so how does that fit into kind of the broader Air Force acquisition strategy? You brought up RFIs. Well, if you look at some of the other stuff we're trying to do, we're trying to put LTE in all the bases now. LTE in the bases basically is to drive, to support the IoT, IoT internet devices on the bases, as well as everything else. If you look at the network on the base and the connectivity back upwards, it's all JIE-related core. And so as you play this, it's a question of how you combine all this thing together with the current events that are occurring out there, because, you know, this is putting MPLS throughout the, throughout the dote in right now. Uh, we'd have to, as we talk about, you know, moving data upwards to a higher level echelon. Well, guess what? It's going to be writing on the JIE network is what it's going to be. And we'll have the base particular done, the base network, and then we'll have the, the other part of the network, which is the dote in. So, yeah, it's all related. Give us the, the brief update of where you guys are at with JIE as I make it to the back of the room. As we progress, what we're doing is we're still putting up the stacks, the JRS the stacks accordingly. The Air Force is moving itself over onto the stacks as a centralized security envelope. However, for, for the Air Force per se, we still fight from the bases. And so the, the installation processing node, which is the data center at the base, is very important for us. And we'll guard security at the base. When we talk about where all the sensor data is going to go, it's going to go with the installation processing node for us because that's the virtualized, virtualized environment that we have at each base. And as we progress, then we'll roll it up as necessary to the higher echelon. And that may be the MATCHCOM or it may just be to, you know, Air Force in general at the NOSC and things. We have to make that determination of how we want to actually move that sensor data around. All right. Question back here. I looked at Internet of Things. My name is James. I think we're creating a bigger problem as we move in this environment. If I can stop the truck from rolling, I don't need to worry about the tires. If I can stop... If you can get in the truck with an iPad or a smart device and connect to that truck, and I can connect to your smart device, 
maybe your personal phone when you got in your car to come to the job, connect to your car. And then you get out of your car and you come and connect to an iPad at your desk, which is a wireless connector. And you go from there on and on and on. The availability for me to attack your internal systems becomes greater. I just expand my attack vector. And we're not creating the chips. We're not writing a lot of the code that goes around the TPM and the security margins. We're trying to lock it down from a boundary instead of from the core. I think that brings a larger problem. How do you see that? Okay, we're gonna get down to the TPM module. We have, we, we've looked at various vendors for the TPMs, the security is in the TPMs, as well as secure BIOSes and everything else associated with it. But as you talk about it, I mean, the question becomes, as we become more and more connected, which we all are right now, how are you gonna defend against that connection? I mean, there's lots of ways of authentication that we are producing right now that we're gonna do it. There's IPsec as the tunnels, as well as everything else that we're gonna to have to, because as people move around, and we do. I mean, there's lots of ways of attacking anybody. I mean, my daughter has a pet feeder. I'm sure I can attack that pet feeder today if I wanted to and feed the pet everything that's in that feeder. Okay, so what? But, you know, eventually that's connected to her internet at home, and I know I can probably brank out of that internet at home something else. Now, the question is what authentication mechanism and security are you going to provide for all that particular stuff? And that's the question that we are wrestling with all the time. A lot of it's authentication and encryption all the time. Everything we believe has to be encrypted. Even the IoT sensor links, we want it encrypted. Now, some of those sensors you can't do that with, but the new ones we expect it to be that way. And that'll probably, I'd say, maybe the standard for procurement, which you can ask in the next, next panel that question. And, and actually that tags back to the beginning of the conversation as well, is that because you have so many dumb sensors, how do you make those dumb sensors smarter and therefore then you can encrypt them or encrypt the data uh, in motion or data at rest uh, that, that's part of your thinking as well. It's not just yeah. how do we get the, the data back from them no. and how do we control the sensors, but how do you, how do you secure them? Let's, let's shift over to the other. The other uh, there's the security of IoT devices that, that has come up several times. Not just the threats, but the security of the devices themselves. I, I was doing, was, as I was doing some research, one thing that came up was the idea of visibility, secure access, segmentation, and integrated services. Now. It's a nice thing to say. It's not so easy to do. So maybe talk about how can the Air Force, or what are you guys looking for to secure those devices? It's not one size fits all, we know that. But are there certain technologies that you're starting to look at? Are there certain paths you're starting to go down to, to improve the security around these, these multiple devices? I mean, a lot of stuff you hear about is segmentation across the, the place. And it's basically like if you have a SCADA network, putting, putting your SCADA devices all in a single network in a separate VLAN. So it cannot interact with the production LAN. And to a certain point, that works well. However, you have to be able to get into the LAN to actually maintain those devices. And so you have a vulnerability right there. I mean, you have to, you have to there is always vulnerabilities associated with it. And the question becomes, how do you can secure the access to these to the devices? I mean, this is, I mean, always this, the stumbling point with, with the SCADA devices is if, uh, if, if your updates are occurring via not even the internet, if your updates are going via disk, how do you know that disk is really the right disk? This is, this is the never-ending question you always have. Who can scan the disk to determine if it's the right disk or not? And I don't know, unless you, again, you go back to the manufacturer and look at security, it's a segmentation issue again. How can I ensure that I really got that from the manufacturer and the manufacturer sent it back and everything else? Unless it's encrypted a certain way and I have the key and he doesn't. 
that, that may be the way to go in the future. So it's kind of different of segmentation down to the secure level of the disk. And so we're, we're trying to look at various ways of looking at how you can do, I mean, when we talk about the gateway and everything, that's basically segmenting out a particular set of IoT devices by itself and then figuring out what am I going to do with those IoT devices. You may not connect it into the production network. You have to determine uh, you know, the status across. And so when the MDTs get together and figuring out, okay, I'm going to grab this data, you may be giving a synthesis of the data that says here's what it is, but not a direct connection per se. And that's probably, that's another segmentation of that information. So you're not really messing the, or intermixing the IoT network, if you will, with the production network. And so that limits your vulnerabilities at times. That's all the time we have for today. My guest today was Frank Konechki, the Chief Technology Officer at the Air Force. We talked at the recent FCA DC chapter. No. We talked at the recent FCA DC chapters Internet of Things conference in Washington DC. I'm Jason Miller. You've been listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Subscribe to this show on Podcast One or iTunes. 